When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another Buckeye Talk. I'm going to be honest. We're a little fried. We just finished the basketball one that uh, posted a day or two ago, and now we're bringing you our normal Wednesday Buckeye talk about football. Doug Marie, sorry, Wasserman, Bill Landis, but we had like the basketball emergency, and they fired Thad Mata, and it was a whole thing. Um, but we're not going to let you guys down on the football end of things because you like football more, which is why Thad Mata got fired at the end. Um, listen, here's what we're doing this week for football. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> why Ohio State basketball's demise is football fans' fault. I, you know what be a hot a hot take headline is like how Urban Meyer got Thad Mata fired. Yeah. That's going like, to be on the internet somewhere tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, there is like a... There is like a world of like Ohio State football was good, Ohio State basketball was good. Then Urban Meyer came and made Ohio State football bazonkers, and all of a sudden, sudden Thad Mata couldn't keep up. That's not what we're doing. My column. Because the one time we did basketball and football combined, nobody liked it. So we're doing just football. We're doing Texas, which means we're going to talk about Tim Beck. Nope. Now here's what we're going to do. Tom Herman at Texas is getting some recruits. Ohio State keeps adding more and more commits for 2018. This class continues to grow um, at a level that should allow it to surpass the 2017 class. So Ari will explain that and the latest commits. But we want to talk about this this brewing Ohio State-Texas recruiting battle in Texas. But then I think it's, it's going to spread elsewhere too. And, and the question we're trying to figure out is as – Nick Saban does his thing at Alabama, and Urban Meyer does his thing at Ohio State. The way Texas is recruiting right now with Tom Herman, is it possible that um, – let, let, let me take that back. It's not a big two in college football right now. It's a big three because Dabo's there. Clemson's there, right? Mm-hmm. Do we agree with that? Yeah. They're the three best programs. I think they're – Alabama's number one. I think you could argue Ohio State-Clemson, who's two overall as a program right now, but I think that's clearly the top three. Is that fair to say? And then there's probably a drop-off. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, and how quickly could Texas get into that mix? And then what would that mean for Ohio State? So we want to talk about all the commits Ohio State got from Texas in 2017, where Ohio State and Texas are now competing for 2018. Long-term down the line, what would it mean for Ohio State, the more success Texas has keeping Texas kids home? And going out and going after other kids. And will we ever see Texas and Ohio start fighting over Ohio kids? Um, so there's stuff to get into. All right, let's, let, cut let's it. let Ari lay some groundwork because he talks about recruiting. Just so you guys know, Ari Wasser. we were struggling to come up with a football topic because we've literally talked about everything. 
And Doug goes, why don't we talk about Texas recruiting? We can talk about recruiting. We can talk about Tim Beck. Right off the bat, ulterior motives exposed. People know. People people know where I stand on that. Proof's in the film. Okay, so what am I supposed to <laughs> – do you want to explain that, or is Breeze back? I, I could do a 10-minute rant on Buck Osweiler if we want, but this is Buckeye talk. I'll save that for Takes by the Lake. Um, <laughs> proof's in the film. I'm going to get t-shirts to say that. Those would actually sell really well. I'd buy one. Yeah. yeah. Especially if it was, like, your face on it somewhere. If somebody took a picture of you interviewing Brock Osweiler... The front and, can just say why, and the back says proof's, proof's in the film. The film. <laughs> um... Okay, there's a little bit of news today that kind of prompted the Texas stuff. Five-star safety B.J. Foster uh, from Angleton, Texas, which could be in any part of the Texas state because all these little cities I've never heard of and I didn't Google Maps it. It literally could be anywhere. Tim Bain knows where it is. It's probably an angle. But Angleton, Texas a lot of could be in Houston in or it could be like on the border of New Mexico. I have no idea where it is. I'm See, this, is, tell you right now. this is the one difference. You know who knows where Angleton, Texas is? Tim Beck. Tim Beck. Tim Beck. So if you were listening to the Dispatch podcast right now, you would know exactly where Angleton is. Southeast Texas, uh, south of Houston, not far from the Gulf of Mexico. Near Beaumont? Near Wadahoochee? <laughs> it's not near neither of those uh, places. It's not far from Galveston. I love Galveston. I ate, uh, ordered flounder one time in Galveston. That wasn't very good. <laughs> Honestly, was it fresh out of the Gulf? It was the. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> it had eyes. We were at a restaurant during our Texas road trip back from the championship game, and we're going to get to this Texas stuff, I promise. But we went out to dinner, and we went to like we were on the coast, like the Gulf Coast. Gulf Coast restaurants that had ocean views by the pier of Galveston. So we thought, hey, we're going to go get some great seafood. And, like, to me, I think, like, fish and chips or, you know, cod or, you know, whatever. Fried fish, you know, shrimp, coconut shrimp, all the things that a normal human would want to order. And, like, Bill goes, I'll have the flounder. And I looked at him and I said, what the, what are we, what are we doing? And he goes, dude, it's going to be fine. They brought out a fish with the scale still on it. Its eyeballs were still in. It was the whole fish. Bill looked at me and he goes, I, I screwed up, man. I did, I did that thing. You know how, like, when you're a little kid and you don't want to eat vegetables and you, like, you know, cut them up, cover them up or move them around? I did that with the entire fish. It didn't take a bite and sent it back. And then you went and got pie later. And I got pizza later, yeah. You, you didn't take a bite? You didn't even try it. It was gross. It was an entire flounder with the skin on it. I don't even know why I ordered it because I don't like fish. It was so unappetizing. It was like a stuffed flounder, so it was like a flounder stuffed with crab meat. I was like, oh, that sounds good. But it was like an entire flounder with the skin still on it and its eye still in it, stuffed with crab meat. And it was terrifying. Did you eat the crab meat out of the No, I didn't eat a thing on the plate. He did not put it, he didn't even try it. I just pushed the food around the plate. He ate what he ordered. I think I had some hush puppies and we left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then he went and got a pie later, so it's not a sad ending to the story. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So, the success Ohio State has had recruiting Texas is well-documented. We've written a lot about it. Um, It was the reason last year, without exaggerating, Ohio State recruited Texas better than Ohio last year. I mean, the the bulk of the talent that they got in the defensive back uh, room and, you know, across the board is well-documented. You know this. So, but just to rehash real quick, like, they got four of the top ten kids in Texas, basically? They did. And and four of the top kids in their – 
best recruiting class ever were from Texas. Yes, and six total. So six total kids from Texas, including yeah. the top corner, the top linebacker. Yes, the top one of the top running backs. It basically rated all of the players that should be at Texas last year. Just tell them real quick who they are. Jeffrey Akuda is the corner. Um, Baron Browning's a linebacker. J.K. Dobbins at running back. They got the late receiver kid. Elijah, Elijah Gardner. Kendish, Kendall Sheffield, does he count? He went to <clears throat> Blinn College. He's originally from Texas. from Texas. He's from Texas, yeah. You know, so those are the six that we counted. Um, it's only five. Right? That's Ooh, five, yeah. Dobbins, Browning, Okuda. Sheffield, Okuda. Gardner. Gardner. Do we get to six? That's five. Oh. And I'm looking. Founder. And Flounder. Okay, maybe it's five, and Bronco I have a typo Flounder. on my story. I don't know. A, uh, oh, no, I misread Flounder. my story. Sorry, because Marvin Wilson, who was a five-star defensive tackle, would have made it six. Oh, right. Sorry. And he almost came here. And he almost came to Ohio. If he were to come to Ohio State, the world would have ended. Okay, sorry for that 30 seconds of annoyance. But this five. was before yeah. Tim or Tom Herman really got going in, in the state of Texas. So the question always was is, and the lead to my story that was about Ohio State conquering Texas was, this will probably never happen again ever. Because they did so well, it cannot be understated how well they did last year. So the question is, is now that the former Ohio State offensive coordinator and the trendiest name and new head coach in college football this year at a major program that was a short time ago, um, neck and neck with Ohio State at the top of college football, how long could Ohio State and Urban Meyer continue to recruit Texas at, at that rate. And Ohio State has done a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff uh, with the um, the graphics department and the team department and getting guys like Baron Browning to say that kids from Texas come to Ohio State to succeed and go to the NFL. There's a lot of stuff going on. It is a huge Ohio State recruiting initiative to own that state. Which is crazy. It's like they already have Ohio State's Ohio, the state of Ohio so locked up that they can do this somewhere else. It's not, And it's not Georgia. It's not Georgia where you could just go recruit all the best players in Georgia for free and nobody would bother you. This is Texas. And Texas is crazy because Texas has Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma recruits it, Texas... LSU recruits it. LSU, LSU recruits it. TCU, Baylor. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in that state. There's a lot of players in that state, but a lot of stuff going on in that state. But the question is, what is a reasonable thing to expect Ohio State? What would you think is a successful run in 2018 now that Tom Herman will have been there for a year he's going into his first season he's signed his first class and now he can finally go from start to finish with some of these younger guys and recruit them fully unlike he was able to do last year what should Ohio State expect to do in Texas in 2018 what would be reasonable success in Texas one guy yeah you get one is to win they shouldn't get it be getting anyone it's like asking Texas Texas what is a reasonable amount of players you should get out of Ohio every year and the reasonable answer is zero. When Jordan Hicks went to Texas like nine years ago, it was a huge deal. And it's because his mom was friends with the Texas strengths coach. It didn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense for really good players from Ohio to go to Texas. Just like it honestly does not make sense for really good players from Texas to go to Ohio. Because not only is it about Texas and Texas A&M and everybody else you just mentioned – they got to go over a bunch of other schools to get here. They could go to the SEC. It's not just Texas. They can go anywhere in the Big 12. They can go anywhere in the SEC. And how and why Ohio State has managed to recruit Texas the way it did in the 2017 class is 
crazy. So if the answer is one, that kind of goes into why and how spectacular 2017 getting five was and in the mix to getting six, and the six would have been a five-star number one defensive tackle in the country. So, now that we're looking at the 2018 class, uh, Ohio State does not yet have a commitment from Texas out of the first 12 yet so far. Ohio State has 12 commits from how many states? 11? <laughs> Always counting states, but again, none from Texas. And we're not going to get into how they're recruiting nationally, and I think they're not recruiting Ohio enough because nobody wants to hear me talk about that right now, and that's not the point. We want to talk about Texas, but we're just, as Ari does, uh, some... Seven. They have 12 kids from seven different states. Yes. None from Texas. None from Texas. One from Oklahoma, none from Texas. Um, And if you look back at Texas so far, um, I'm going to count. They have 12 uh, commitments and one, two... Three, four, five, six, seven of their commits are from Texas. Makes so sense. The initiative for Tom Herman, of course. What's the first thing that he has to do when he takes that job? That's the first thing. There's nothing more important. It's practically, I'm going to overstate this slightly, but I think not much. It's practically the only thing he has to do. Because honestly, if Texas can get. 17 of the best 25 kids, there's a lot of good schools in Texas. If the Longhorns can get 15 of the best 30 kids in Texas every year, they're going to win. And then whatever... six out of the top 10, maybe. Then you add in whatever else, and I understand that you get a couple kids from Oklahoma, maybe a couple kids from California, a straight kid from Louisiana or Georgia, whatever. But if you get two-thirds of your class from Texas... And almost all those kids, the top 30 in the state, you're good to go. And you don't have to recruit Texas the way Ohio recruits Ohio. Because there's other competition, there's more kids. Um, but you have to do, you have to be the, you have to be the school. You have to win. You can't let Texas A&M or TCU or Baylor or Houston or anybody else in that state be the destination of choice for the best players in Texas. And I think that at this point we're talking about Tom Herman and whether or not he can return Texas to what they were in the 2000s, and it's happening. And the proof is, is starting to come to the surface. Um, on Monday, uh, Texas landed five-star safety B.J. Foster from Angleton, Texas, which is in the southwest corner in the Houston area, because I knew that off the top of my head. Um, and his final five was Ohio State, LSU, Texas, Michigan, TCU. So he had to beat another te- uh, Texas school, and he had to beat the o- Ohio State school that recruited them so well in LSU, which has proximity to that area. That is a huge, huge get for Tom Herman. He's kind of on the roll right now. Um, in the last like week and a half, he's picked up four, um, three of which were from the state of Texas, including four-star safety uh, DeMarvion Overshone from ARP, Texas, which I have no idea where ARP is. Um, and that was an Ohio State target as well. A four-star running back named Keontae uh, Ingram from Carthage, Texas. I don't know where that is either. Um, well, your Texas geography is lacking there. Do you know where ARP is? I don't know where anything is. I know where Houston is. My te- our Texas geography yeah. is lacking. My, ARP. My, Let me look up ARP. How do you spell that? A-R-P. <laughs> <laughs> and Carthage you can look up next. But they're starting to gain some momentum. And the fact is, is that this B.J. Foster kid had an Ohio State offer. He earned that offer in May. And, of course, Ohio State's making all these lists. So I think part of the reason and part of the way that you can tell that Ohio State is making headway in Texas is 
the first thing they need to do to make these elite-level kids top 10s, top 15s is just offer them scholarships. There have been a lot of kids in the state of Texas who have only included Ohio State on the merit of what Ohio State has accomplished on a national scale, the success they've had already bringing Texas kids to Ohio State, and, of course, just the idea that they're the number one, number two, or number three program in the country. Texas is closing on these kids before Ohio State even gets them on campus for official visits, which means that Texas is really gaining the momentum now. And the idea that Ohio State got those five kids in 2017 might be kind of the, like I wrote last year on signing day, this may never happen again. I think Tom Herman is doing enough right now um, in the moment and proving that he's getting these guys early enough in the process. And we're talking about major five-star kids here that usually take officials. And, you know, I'm not saying these guys are completely finished and won't visit other places, but the fact that he's got these 12, 7 out of 12 from Texas, it means that he's off to a fast start. And given all, Texas is basically the Ohio State of the Southwest, right? Isn't that what people said when Vince I mean, Young was there? Well, it's supposed to be that Ohio State is the Texas of the Midwest. I mean, that's what it should be. I mean, but and it's like... They're very similar places but, from... But, what, Honestly, the way the population shift has been and the way Texas is able to dominate it should dominate that gigantic state, it would make much more sense if the two best programs in college football right now were Alabama and Texas as opposed to Alabama and Ohio State. Just because schools in the South, in the warm weather, they have more players, they have bigger recruiting bases, and we know how good Ohio football is, but Ohio State is succeeding by recruiting nationally. It's inexplicable that Texas has been bad, and it makes complete sense that Texas is hitting it again in recruiting. All you needed was that that adrenaline shot. And what I find interesting, and we've talked a lot about this on this podcast, is that Ohio State has a recruiting advantage that no other program outside of incompetent, terrible Georgia, and that is having your own talent-rich state to yourself and being the only show in town. Texas does not have that advantage. So... The fact that Ohio State is getting to the level that it is is certainly because of the success they've had on a national basis and partly where the, what they've done in Texas. But it's a lot easier when you've got eight out of your 20 kids already committed before you're out of the gate. And I don't know if Texas has that advantage yet, and that's part of the initiative that Tom Herman has to do. That That's just get Texas locked down to the point where we know that if there's going to be 10 five-star kids in this state that we're going to get six of them. So, so I'm not even asking them to be as good as Ohio State because there's more competition, but there's also more kids. There's also a lot more kids. There's a lot more kids, and they, they should if – the, if they're the man in their own state and they have a similar advantage to Ohio State recruiting Texas that Ohio, has, Ohio State has to Ohio, then they should win with relative ease, Can especially you, in that conference. I, I don't want to make you look stuff up because live looking stuff up does not make for a great podcast, but is there a way to do a quick check of – for instance, of the top, let's say the top 100 players or the top 200 players in the class of 2018 overall. How many are in Texas and how many are in Ohio? Yeah, because obviously there's more schools in Texas, but there's a lot more players too, right? When there you're is. talking about the elite of the elite. But the one thing I want to get into a little bit, and I'll be honest, I had to, I stopped following Tim Beck. Tim Beck, as you know, is the former... Quarterbacks coach at Ohio State, who replaced Tom Herman at Ohio State, had Texas roots as a former Texas high school coach, was instrumental in recruiting Texas for Ohio State, uh, but then after last season, um, left Ohio State to go to Texas, where he is now Tom Herman's quarterbacks coach. Um, so 
I had to stop following Tim Beck on Twitter because he constantly posted pictures of the Austin skyline every day. I get it. There's a sun and there are buildings and there are trees and maybe there's a longhorn steer somewhere in there. I don't know. I have never seen a coaching staff post more Twitter photos of their city than the Texas coaching staff. So I stopped following Tim Beck on Twitter. However, I still follow Tom Herman, and I still follow Drew Merringer, who was a grad assistant at Ohio State and is now a full-time assistant at Texas after being uh, the offensive coordinator at Rutgers for a year. And I do find it interesting, Ari, how much the Twitter presence of the Ohio of the Texas coaching staff in what they tweet about recruits and recruiting and the booms and all that stuff so mirrors Ohio State's social media presence. And I want to get into that a little bit because clearly, and this is not new, we saw what Tom Herman did at Houston. We saw what Chris Ash does at Rutgers. We've talked before how Urban Meyer now has a finishing school for head coaches at Ohio State. But it is really striking to me I don't follow all the Alabama coaches. I don't follow um, the Oregon coaches or the Washington coaches or all the uh, Clemson coaches. So maybe they all do it too. But it is striking to me how much the social media presence of the Texas coaches looks exactly like the social media presence of the Ohio State coaches. And obviously that is not a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence, but Clemson also is kind of like that as well. So I'm not going to say that Urban Meyer's genius or the people that they hired at Ohio State's the reason why Texas is doing what they're doing. I mean, what are people selling? Facilities, NFL. But they, but it's every time. But they all, they all use like a funny, hip, pop culture, yeah, way of of booming things and the gifs from funny movies and from right. rappers and from the Kardashians and all that kind of stuff. That when I talk about it as a 43 year old guy, it makes me sound old and lame. But they're. But these are old, lame guys who are my age tweeting in a way that is funny and cool and interesting and hip for teenagers. And that that just to me – because again, like we've talked about that with Ohio State basketball. Not everybody does that. But Ohio State does it and Texas definitely does it with sort of that attitude, that swag, that cool thing they want to put out there that – they make recruiting a huge priority on social media, and they they just want to. It's like a game, and you were you've been teasing Mark Pantone about this on Twitter, but it's like a game with like who can come up with the newest, funniest, the coolest tweeting. GIF. Well, that is just my personal obsession with the show The Bachelorette. Sure, and I think it's annoying him. And now that I know it's annoying him, I'm going to keep doing it. Nice. Um, it's the Waboom guy. Do you watch that show? No, but I I only know about the Waboom GIF, right? There's a guy on The Bachelorette who showed up and who's like a good-looking, successful dude. And like every five minutes, he freaks out and goes boom and like says that as like and he's not like he's joking, but that's like what he does. And every single time he like he would yell out boom, even in my personal time when I'm watching this trash television show, like all I can think of is this is an Ohio State recruiting shift waiting to happen. Yeah. And the second the first episode was over, it was all over the internet. But. I'm not going to say that Texas is copying or Ohio State's copying or whatever, but here's what we will say. Texas and Ohio State have jabbed each other back and forth by creating videos 
aimed at each other or aimed at each other's states to kind of prove, hey, kids, this is where it's at. And Tom Herman did it immediately by tweeting out a weather forecast. Baron Browning, who was the top linebacker in Texas last year, like did an interview and like a music video of like how winners end up at Ohio State. And every single thing that these teams do in regards to Texas and Ohio is a subtle jab at one another. So the fact is, is all these guys are on Twitter. All these people see what you see, Doug, all the time. And if there's something that they that is perceived to be working, then what do they do? They go through it and they do the same things that the other teams do. And of course, what all the things that you're saying about the pop culture and trying to be cool with the kids and stuff, that's the way that these kids are connected with these days. And that's just a fact. So um, I think there is a general interesting Texas rivalry with Ohio State, at least when it comes to the graphic war. Did they try to take one of the Ohio State graphics guys? Yeah. I think it did. They tried to hire uh, Kenton Hessler. I think it was a, in a Pete Thamel story on Sports Illustrated. Texas tried to hire uh, Kenton Hessler, who was one of the two graphics guys at Ohio State. I have a crazy thing to throw in here to see what you guys think. This is breaking news on the uh, Buckeye Talk podcast. Ooh. HBO's making a Penn State movie. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Guess who's playing Joe Paterno? I know the answer. Oh. Is it De Niro? Close. The other guy. The Pacino. Other guy. Al Pacino. <laughs> Hooah! Coach of Penn State! Hooah! <laughs> like, Joe Paterno, like, De Niro could play Paterno. Pacino can play old Joe Paterno. He'd have to cut Pacino's his hair. Pacino's the any given Sunday guy, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Pacino is. Yeah. You're acting like you never heard of him. No, I'm... You're all wrapped up in Scarface. <laughs> um, tell me more about who this Al Pacino is that you speak that? of. You guys going to watch that? I'd watch Joe it, Paterno yeah. Joe movie? That's actually been in the works for a while. Like I, there was when Joe Posnanski wrote his Joe Paterno book that came out, um, like right after the Jerry Sandusky stuff had, had come down. There was talk about Pacino playing Joe Paterno is, in the movie. Is this is this off the Posnanski book? I believe so. Yeah, I think that'll probably be the main source material. I mean, it covered Paterno's entire life, so I'm assuming that's what they'll go off of for the script. I've mentioned this before out here. I think that the girl I liked in high school married Joe Paterno's kid. Maybe she'll be in the movie. You told us that. I don't know if you mentioned that on that. That was kind of personal. To be that was kind of personal. Yeah. The girl that I liked in high school. Loved. Nah, I was only in high school. High school love. Well, that kind of, you know, like unrequited. Yeah. That. Yeah. But you loved Was her. my friend. We went to prom, but I liked her, but she didn't like me because I was a nerd. She married like a Joe movie. Paterno's son. She's a Paterno. Not just Jay. An interesting sidelight. No, Scott. Scott. Yeah, Scott Paterno. Do you ever talk to her? Do you Facebook friends or anything? Or she's not on Facebook. You ever wonder? I've corresponded with Scott Paterno at times. Who knows that I know his wife? Yeah. He he was mad back when I like would predict Penn State to like have a bad record in two thousand nine. Sometimes he would email me and think that I would made a bad prediction because there was a year where I thought Penn State was going to be really bad, and then they were good all of a sudden. Was it two thousand six? I've been around for a long time. I lost track. Anyway, that was. Did he little... think that it's possible that you? No. <laughs> Personally, if I loved a girl and then she married somebody, I would never talk to the person she married. Yeah, just out of pride. But hey, what do I know? What are you going to do? You know? um, do you think there'll be an Urban Meyer movie someday? I wonder who will play him. No. Oh, stop it! Something bad has to happen, right? For you to have a movie made about you. He's so handsome. 
who Brad Pitt or Urban Meyer? The bad stuff has happened to Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer is a good-looking dude. I think that you oh, yeah. saying He's so handsome is a little much. I think oh, a movie in general about those Florida themes would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about if his Ohio State time would be an interesting movie. But yeah. Florida would be. That would be like the epilogue. Yeah. Then he went to Ohio State and won a national championship. Blah, blah, blah. Who would play Tebow? Himself. Yeah. <laughs> he won an Oscar for playing himself. All right. Go ahead. I don't even know what we were talking about. I, don't know I feel like we're kind of scattered right now. Um, well, listen. Is listen. it because I left for 20 minutes to do another interview? Yeah. We're, okay, listen. Specifically, there, yes. There's nothing new happening with Ohio State football, but we want to bring you people what you want, which is Ohio State football talk. And we just got walloped. Today, we're recording this on Monday night. We just got walloped with this basketball news, but we already talked about that. I had so McDonald's for lunch and Domino's for dinner. So, it's not healthy. So here's the thing that you were researching was how many of the top 100 or 200 kids, how many from Ohio, how many from Texas? Did you finish that? I haven't finished that, no. Oh. Do you think, like, Texas has more kids to choose from, right, Bill? Absolutely. So, yeah. so, it's not even close, but it's kind of hard. Well, let to... me ask this. Who, and we this we could double back with a little bit of what we wrote last year about in our Indestructible series before the 2017 season when we said Ohio State was the most indestructible program in college football. And we gave all these examples of places like USC and Alabama and Texas and Michigan and these seemingly great programs that should never fail, that have failed for stretches. Who should be better, Texas or Ohio State? Texas. Texas should be better. I can tell you this. So I don't know. We've talked before about like the player ratings, the 247 sports assigns the players, the number value that they give them. Mm-hmm. Players rate it uh, at a 90 and above. And like when you get into like 95 plus, we're talking five stars, 90 yeah. to 95, like a four star. In Ohio, in 2018, there are 12 players rated 90 or above. In Texas, there are 37. How'd you find that so quickly? I'm fast with the Google searches. Um, yes. <laughs> the end. No, it's Texas. Yeah. You think Texas, Texas should be better than Texas? There's 37 well, top tier players in Texas. He's saying, but there are also <laughs> seven Division One programs recruiting that one state and one recruiting it. With the, right. with the said, power of Ohio What's the number State, again? 37 in Texas? 37 in Texas, 12 in Ohio. Yeah, I still think Texas should be better. Because they should be far and away. They are the state university. I think yes. Ohio State has the an advantage Texas doesn't have. Even if the numbers are on their side, I think that Ohio State has 10 built in no matter what, even in the mm-hmm. down years. And I don't think Texas has 10 built in yet. And it's like something that Texas could lose, and we've witnessed them losing it. I don't think Ohio State can lose that. Even when Ohio State was going through NCAA stuff, their recruiting certainly took a hit. But they still had nine and eight Ohio guys on that roster that could fill out a respectable class. Right. And I don't know if there's a lot of other programs, if any, in this country that have eight or nine kids built in from Ohio, signed, sealed, and delivered regardless of where the program is. But, but LSU is probably the only other one, right? Here's the thing, though. There are a Not lot Georgia, of kids. Not Georgia, because they suck. There are a lot of kids, just like there, if there are 12 top kids in Ohio in a given year – Right, the number you're talking about, Uh 12. Many of them, maybe all of them, grew up wanting to be a Buckeye, right? Yeah. That's ingrained in them. It doesn't mean they're automatically going to go to Ohio State, but it's their first instinct based on their community, based on their family, based on proximity, based on what they're exposed to. The 37 kids in Texas, I'm going to guess at least 25 of those 37 – their first inclination is to be a Longhorn. It is not to go to TCU. 
It is not to go to Texas A&M or Baylor. That is not their first inclination. Their first inclination is to want to go to the University of Texas. And if they don't, it's because Texas is screwing up. And Mac Brown screwed up at the end. Mac Brown let Texas fall in a hole, and Charlie Strong couldn't dig them out. So Texas turned those kids off. Texas turned JT Barrett away. JT Barrett's instinct was to say, I want to go to Texas. And they screwed up and picked the wrong guy and let him go. He would have even gone there. I had somebody who told me this. When we did the uh, the Indestructible series uh, last summer, we did the podcast, and I talked to the guy from Texas, and his name is escaping me. What's, what is the columnist from the Austin? Kurt Bowles. Kurt Bowles. Sorry, Kurt. forgot your name. He told me that JT Barrett would have gone as the second quarterback with an offer anyway. That's how much he wanted to go to Texas. So you're screwing up. I mean, imagine a world. Well, here's. I mean, it's like. Imagine a world where Ohio State turns away the best quarterback in Ohio, and he goes somewhere else and becomes the number two pick in the draft. Except that happened with Mr. Trubisky. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is, except <laughs> that happened uh, in the most recent draft. But other than that, yeah. But listen, Ohio State turned away Mitch Trubisky because they had JT Barrett. Mm-hmm. Texas turned away JT Barrett because they. What's the who's the guy swoops, they wanted? Swoops. They got swoops. And he was bad. So they imagine, chose if J, imagine if JT Barrett was bad and Mitch Trubisky had done that. So, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it's the thing that we wrote and we said at the time and that Urban told you, Ari, if you have one bad recruiting class, you're dead. And in Texas, they had two or three or four. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, and yeah. it's making bad choices. But there's zero surprise. But in the end, there's no way. Should Ohio State ever, 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 should Ohio State beat Texas for a Texas kid? No. Not up. Operating at their top levels. I mean, what happened last year was almost la la land. I mean, I mean it that, is unbelievable what happened happens last again, year. Tom Herman will probably lose his job. And like Ohio State right now is actually in the thick of the recruitment of the number one player in the state of Texas, and that's Anthony Cook, the cornerback from Houston, who released a top list. I don't know if it was a five, seven, fifteen, or twenty nine at this point, but it was a list, <laughs> and Ohio State was on that list. And I know that he was um, a pretty top, heavily. Heavily recruited target for Ohio State, and they have a chance of getting him. But they're, they're also in, like, Brennan Eagles, too, is a guy they want, right? Right. And Alvante Woodard, too? Right. And Woodard, and if I'm not mistaken, is teammates with Cook, right? Woodard is from Houston Lamar, and Cook and, is from Houston Lamar. Um, and they're in on all these guys. And then we just – and you guys wrote about how they don't recruit Houston. And now they've now chosen to go Houston. into Houston. The Houston yeah, stuff I, was really interesting. Did you go back and read it and yeah. just think, like, why is Ari not famous yet? Because I did that yesterday. <laughs> Do you ever read your stuff and just go, well, I'm really good at my job? <laughs> I'm not Do joking I read at all. Your stuff Do you ever read my stuff? Ari's really good at his Fun job. fact, sometimes when I'm really humming and feeling good about myself, we'll be in the press box and I'll be editing my own story and I'll go, this is good. <laughs> and Doug hates that. <laughs> but, but listen, part of what you guys wrote there was that, like, like Michigan should be – that's where we thought Michigan would make some mid-road, didn't Texas, because – Jim because Harbaugh Jim had Harbaugh done well and got to, uh, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's high school spilled some Frito pie on his golf shirt, endeared himself to the people of the high school, and then got Andrew Luck. But seriously, right now, if I go back and I look at the Texas rankings, I think right now five, only two of the top five players in the state of Texas are committed, and both of them are committed to Texas. So if you look at the board, 
Texas A&M, I think, has the number eight guy, and most of the other ones are uncommitted. Ohio State is in the game with some of those guys, but Texas so far, and the early returns of, Te- of Tom Herman, which is the entire point of this entire podcast, it seems that Texas is kind of regaining its strangle on its own state. Now, I'm not saying Ohio State's not going to go in and win one or two, which, Doug, you think is a success. I agree that is a success, but I think the point of this is, is now that Tom Herman's there, he's in the beginning stages of his tenure there, the days of recruiting Browning, Dobbins, Okuda, and all the other guys that they got in last year's class are dead, probably. Just for comparison's sake, uh, seven of the top ten players in Georgia are committed, none of them are committed to Georgia. Hey! <laughs> I, know. Just like I tweeted like on last Friday, I was just like, I, I know we've hit this over the barrel, but I was just driving. I was thinking, it's unreal to me how bad Georgia is at recruiting. And it was out of nowhere. It was just... Take it. Somebody, somebody did tweet at us that they. That's one of the things they enjoy the podcast. That we take random shots at Georgia recruiting. But I want to ask about this. I want to ask about this point. That's unbelievable. And there's two points. That, there's two things I want to get to that are recruiting related. Ohio State, but are, are edging away from Texas a little bit, um, but maybe tangentially related. One is the idea of Ohio State knowing where there are weak spots. And pouncing on those. So when you see what they did in Texas, when you see what they did getting into Cast Tech, sort of in that end of the Hoke era before Harbaugh got established time, when you see what they've done in Georgia, because Georgia can't keep their own guys there, when you see, and this isn't a weakness, but just Urban Meyer has connections in Florida, what they do in Florida. And I also was thinking that it's possible that their dominance in Vegas last year might have been because USC was in a little bit of a transition. And you've written about how they have gone into the um, Washington, Maryland, Virginia area at a time when Virginia Tech was down at the end of the Frank Beamer era. This is not a coincidence, right? That they, that everybody has coaches who have relationships in different areas and who may be an expert in a certain area of the country that they've recruited before or they worked in that part of the country before they came to Ohio State. But clearly, Ohio State has strategy involved in, well, we're not maybe typically there, but we see a weakness, and we're going to go after it now. And It was just always so strange that they were able to recruit the Dallas area so well, and then they never got anybody from Houston. They really like even tried. They wouldn't even try. Like, what was it, the parachute school, or you just throw an offer if they really like love net, you? They call it a the net, net school. Yeah. And uh, maybe the net landed, but um, this isn't even the high school that we went to. The other one was called North Shore. Um, but yes, maybe because Tom Herman is no longer the coach at Houston because it was the H-Town takeover is dead. Don't tell that to Major Applewood. <laughs> but right? But I mean, but that's yeah, the no, it's a good I mean, thing of understanding, understanding where you're strong, understanding where you can invest in certain times. It's almost like day trading, but in the recruiting world. And... I'm not saying. I mean, they have strangles, stranglehold. Like, but even like in Jersey, they they were on top for a while, and then oh, Michigan yeah. and Penn State now are kind of in Jersey too. So they haven't been emphasizing that area quite as much as they used to. And I do think, and this is maybe a good story idea for me to start reporting on, of just the ever changing. Ohio is the only constant about, and maybe Florida. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, are the two in Georgia because Georgia sucks, <laughs> 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 but. Um, they do have a very influx. I mean, how much time did they spend in Vegas last year? What? And now they lost the EA, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, linebacker right. to USC. Um, 
And the quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think, is, it, is he committed to Michigan? UCLA. Oh, UCLA. That's right. Um, those are all those Gorman the, kids? Yeah, and those two Gorman kids were the ones I wrote about last year of saying that Ohio State would have a good shot with. Gorman, where they got Tate Martell and Haskell Garrett. Haskell Garrett and they were going to get Tyjon Lindsay, and they maybe were going to get Bubba. They almost got four last year. So they went hard. And again, why would they go hard? Because... Sarkeesian was out. Clay Helton, Helton was in. They started you didn't off know slow. How he was going to do, and like because like the thing about it is, is like there was a legit, and I was going to write this story because, and I don't think I'm going to write it anymore because now it doesn't make any sense. But I was talking to somebody um, about like the biggest thing about recruiting the Gorman successfully getting Haskell Garrett was kind of like appealing to the Polynesian community because I think there's a lot of Polynesian football players who play at Gorman and were very good, and that EA. Guy de Tote. It's a beautiful last name. I just wish I can't even pronounce my own mother's first name, so don't don't get mad at me. But um, was a Polynesian player, and I was going to write a story about Haskell Garrett could open the door and give Ohio State a Polynesian uh, Polynesian feel to it a little bit and kind of appeal to these guys. And then he ended up committing to USC. But USC is the Polynesian yeah. school of the country, mm-hmm. um, so that door might be shut. But they hit that school and got. Two really, really good players at a time that that was there for the taking, and both of those players were major. Anytime you get a five star quarterback, I don't care where he is, it's a huge get. So um, they've spent time in Southern California sparingly. Um, Texas has been a mainstay, but other than Ohio State and Florida, or Ohio and Florida and Georgia, um, their emphasis is emphasis has changed. And Texas is the new one. And it'll be interesting to see now if we want to circle back to the entire point of this podcast of if, if Herman really does get things going, if in the 2020 class they are so all in on Texas as they are right now. Because I still think they think they can do it again, and maybe they will. They get Anthony Cook, they get Woodard, they get two or three of these guys. I mean, five is absurd. They get two or three. I think that's another huge... But even if they the, get one and the one is Cook. Cook. Yeah. You get the number one player in the state of Texas to leave Ohio, then you've done it again. Right. But again, I mean, it's just it's just so interesting because I... I remember Jim Tressel's 2008 recruiting class that was such a big deal uh, when he signed that group. And part of it being a a big deal was not just that they got really good players, but that they got Terrell Pryor from Pittsburgh, and they got Mike Brewster from Florida, and they got J.B. Shugart from Texas. And then they added in... Uh, guys like Devere Posey and uh, Mike Adams, who were from, and Jake Stoneburner, who were from Ohio. Um, but that was such a big, like, they got J.B. Shugarts out of Texas, was like such a big thing at the time to dip in and get one, like, top 10 Texas player. And it was like, wow, like, they are really spreading their wings now. And now here they are in a situation where they have, you know, four, four or five Texas kids in this last recruiting class. Um, all right, so the one other thing I wanted to and, – and, and I'm asking this because, Ari, you tweeted about it the other day. I did? You did. This is, the Cavs. this is the question I want to ask. <laughs> the Cavs? <laughs> Super team. Uh, oh, let's talk Superman. No, that's a Superman sidebar. <laughs> Bill Davis as a recruiter. Lifelong NFL assistant coach. Urban Meyer's best man from his wedding. Took over for Luke Fickle as the Ohio State linebackers coach. Had no recruiting experience. And Ari, you are tweeting about the linebackers that they're getting. Um, and you seem impressed that Bill Davis must be doing his job. I'm starting to think, and nothing against Bill Davis, I think I'm, I could recruit anybody yeah. to Ohio State. 
I don't know. I, I don't know. Is it impressive? How impressive is it really to recruit? It's like selling a Bentley to a rich person. You know, it's like they know it's elite. They've got the money to pay for it. Does a salesman at a Bentley dealership really have to work hard and hit the phones to sell cars? And I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but sometimes I feel like... It's a good analogy. You want to know why? Because Luke Fickle used it, and I just realized it. What did he say? He said it was like working at the Lexus dealership on Scottsdale Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Shout out. (laughs) Shout out my city, baby. Uh, I drove a Oldsmobile Intrigue. Um, but, But there's a lot of truth to that, I think. Now, anybody who comes in and says, I work with Urban Meyer, I've got a lot of NFL experience, we've got the best defense in college football right now, look at what we're doing in the NFL, come check out our facilities, we're going to compete for national championships. I mean, what do you, I don't think you have to be uh... So, so, and, and I don't mean to turn this into a Luke Fickle discussion, but I guess what the proof will be is, I think the point you're making is, where Ohio State is right now as a program and as a recruiting juggernaut, they can pick out names on a list who are highly rated and go pluck these guys and have a pretty good chance of getting them. It doesn't mean that Bill Davis is doing a great job in the living room. It's that he has a very good thing to sell in Ohio State. So then don't take all the credit away from him. I mean, But here's where the proof will be. Do those guys turn into great players? Because part of the deal here is we know plenty of highly rated recruits don't turn into great players, and plenty of lower-rated recruits do turn into great players. So when you have a new coach like Bill Davis who hasn't recruited much, okay, so he's he's getting guys at his position who are very highly rated, but are they getting the right guy? Are they getting the right four-star? <coughs> are they getting the four-star well, that turns into an NFL first-round pick and an All-Big Ten player, not the four-star who ends up washing out? And are they getting here and there – as we talked about a lot with Fickle, the three star that turns into something, but we got to see, we got to see. It's important to mention can play. that one of the players that Billy Davis is it Bill or Billy? He's, he's a grown, he's a grown man. man. Bill. Some people call him Billy. As an, as someone who's lived my entire life with the name, you're a grown man. You're Bill. And plus, it's a Philly. Like, why do I keep calling him Billy though? Somebody's calling him Billy. Urban calls him Billy because okay. they're boys. Okay, so. Bill, Bill Davis, the first one that he got was four-star Dallas Gant from Toledo, Ohio, who has been camping at Ohio State um, since he was a junior. He's an in-state kid. He got the in-state kid, right? On a scale from one to ten, how impressed are you? Well, I was actually... You were impressed? I wasn't like, holy crap, he did it, but like Dallas Gant was very tight with Luke Fickle. And, like, took a minute to take a step back and evaluate whether or not he could build a similar relationship that he had with Luke Fickle with this new guy, Bill Davis. And granted, Urban Meyer was very involved in his recruitment, and in the end, it's Ohio State. But I thought there was some a little bit of ground maybe to make up for Bill Davis with Dallas Gant, and he appeared to do Doug, Doug was laying on his back. One. <laughs> but that's a lot of – you drink a lot of haterade, you know that? If you're, if you're a one, I'm like a two and a half. But is it – do you think that happens though too when you have a new guy on the staff like that? That maybe Urban's more involved right. early on in in the process with him. That if Kerry Combs is on a kid early, Kerry Combs does a bunch of groundwork and Urban comes in and closes. But Urban might be in earlier on a guy that Bill Davis is with because Bill Davis hasn't been around as much. That's just a theory I'm throwing out there. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. The other sense. one was Taraja, Taraja Mitchell from Virginia Beach, um, who I pitched to my boss. 
to go to the announcement. You, you've been talking about pitching it. You actually pitched it. The pitch. You actually made the pitch. I said he's announcing at in the evening at his high school. It's not that far. I want to go, and only ninety, only ten percent of it was selfish. Because I would have driven all day, and by the time I got to the high school and rode, it would have been 10. So I wouldn't have had any time to enjoy Virginia Beach. Have a nice flounder. Have some flounder. But I but Chicken of the sea. I would have been the only Ohio State reporter there. Uh, yeah. But he said, um, I got women's lacrosse on the schedule, man. So And that was 5% of the motivation was to not do the women's lacrosse thing. <laughs> 5% was to catch some waves in the Sunday morning. But um, he's Baron Browning from what the recruiting analysts who break down film are saying. So when you say, are these guys going to pan out? It's like at this point, he's a fringe composite five-star prospect. There's only 26. I think he's in the top 50. He's in that conversation of best linebacker in the country, number mm-hmm. one inside line. So like for this, this is like a monumental get. How, but how, how much, so how much credit does Bill Davis get and how much is this Larry Johnson, Zach Smith in that Virginia area that they both I think it's a combination on? Which it always is with a regional guy and a position guy, right? I mean, the point is, is you're not getting Baron Browning. You're not getting a guy of this magnitude if he doesn't trust his positional coach. So whether or not he was the guy who said the right thing into Mitchell's mom's ear to convince her to – whatever. I don't know. But what I do know is is that when you hire somebody like Davis who has never recruited before, and Urban Meyer in his office last week when I was talking to him said it was a potential liability – is closing on players like that, then you have to accept that as a victory because it is not a liability. And that's the point. So I think that's a win. So I think the last point you wanted to talk about in um, the Ohio State-Texas conversation um, is whether Texas will ever recruit Ohio. Yeah, will they? Cause here's, cause I wrote about this. I already I wrote a story about this. So um, – What's your conclusion? My conclusion was no. Let me find it. You I don't, talk. I don't <laughs> think I don't think they would. I think if there was ever a Texas coach who would try, it might be Tom Herman. If only to ruffle some feathers and shake well, things up a little bit. Well, this is the whole thing that that we've been talking about now with Alabama dipping into Ohio a little bit, and then. When Ohio State goes down south, it's just the idea of making making a team play defense in its own backyard, which takes away from their ability to play as much offense other places. So if Ohio State is coming into Texas and making it a little harder for Texas to recruit Texas players, would it be beneficial for Texas to come into Ohio, even not to get a kid, but make it just a little bit harder for Ohio State to keep Ohio kids? Because here's the thing, Right? I'm, I'm, I'm Joey Smith, big time, four star Ohio recruit from somewhere. If I'm thinking about, and I'm, I'm probably going to Ohio State, but if I'm thinking about anywhere else, you know who would just like get my attention a little bit? Like the cool new coaching staff at Texas. I would take a visit there, right? I mean, like, if anyone could get a kid who's going to go to Ohio State probably to think twice, why wouldn't it be Texas, and why wouldn't that be worth Texas's time? It would be, especially, I mean, it even makes sense. Like, 
Tyler Herbert needs to establish Texas first so that he didn't go after any of the really good 2018 prospects makes sense. But if he flipped the switch in 19 with an Ohio class that is possibly better or at least as good in 19 as it is in 18, the 19 class is loaded at the top, especially with defensive players. Um, I'd swing. There's nothing to lose. You might actually get one. And then, the, like, you make some recruiting news. We talk about your program. Like, I can't believe Tom Herman is actually trying to go into Ohio and beat Ohio State for its top prospects, like legitimately trying to do it. I think there's a lot to gain for Texas if they tried to do it. Even if they don't get anybody, I think it's still worth it. And you know what I would do if I was an out-of-state school, whether if I was Texas or Alabama or Clemson or anybody else, coming to recruit an Ohio kid? I would point out to that Ohio kid how much time and energy Ohio State is spending recruiting kids from other states. Are they taking you for granted? They think you're just going to go to Ohio State because you live down the road. They're all over the country chasing all these other kids, and they think it's going to be easy to get you. Yeah, they show you love. And we know that you grew up wearing a Buckeye onesie. But I came all the way from Texas to talk to you. You know what I'm never going to do? I'm never going to take you for granted. So I know you might want to stay home, but I think you owe it to yourself to give someone else a look. And if you're going to give someone else a look, come on down to Austin, Texas. They have a, they have a chance, too, because the name Stan Drayton hasn't been mentioned Oh yeah, in this entire podcast, and he is on the staff now. So you've got three players. Three coaches um, who He's have recruit Cleveland. who recruited Cleveland while at Ohio State. If you're going to take a shot, these aren't ignorant Texans who know nothing about the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Herman Drayton and Beck. <laughs> what what <laughs> did I say? Um, these are ignorant, your typical ignorant, ignorant Texans. Texans. No, I didn't wow, mean it like that's that. That's not what he meant. But you're right. They, they, they have guys. They would know where are... to take their shot. Is what I'm saying. They have four guys on that. They have Tom Herman and three other assistants on that staff, Beck, Drayton, and Drew Maringer, who all worked at Ohio State. Um, I don't think that – the point that I made in the story was that – and it's what you kind of just said, but um, you'd think that Ohio State could just recruit Texas because Ohio – or Texas can – you would think that Texas could recruit Ohio because Ohio State recruits Texas. Why, If one can do it, why not the other? I just think that, like you said, the connection between Ohio kids and Ohio State, I think is a little bit different than it might be in Texas. And I think that for the most part, the competitive balance of the teams that are in that state make it a little bit more difficult and potentially more muffled for a Texas kid to know where he's truly supposed to go. And it's just a little bit more different. So, But it's not going to be this year. What I think the insummation of this entire podcast is, is that Texas is going to be a lot harder to recruit now. Yep. I think that's kind of the point that we wanted to make. We threw out some names out there. We showed you that Texas has seven out of their 12 from Texas. They have two of the top five committed. Uh, Herman has changed the opening. If Ohio State does attack weaknesses, sees openings to take advantage of, that opening in Texas is probably closed or closing. Temporarily. Um, I think the thing that often goes unsaid when we do these things is, like, Herman has to be good. Like, we're assuming he'll be good because he's been good everywhere else he's been. Like, Ohio State can go to Texas and recruit Texas because Ohio State won a recent national championship and has sent 75,000 players to the NFL in the last four years. Like, he can't just stroll into Ohio and say, I'm Tom Herman. Like, he has to be good immediately. So, the point that I was going to make, though, is is that if that were to ever happen, it might not be till 2020. Yeah. 
And the thing is, I mean, it's it's. And I actually said, Ohio Ohio State might just be in a perfect spot in Ohio in that Ohio as a state is good enough to serve as the backbone of Ohio State's recruiting class. But no offense to Ohio high school football is not quite good enough for a ton of elite programs to be spending a lot of time here. Whereas it's always worth Urban Meyer's time to recruit Florida because there are a million players. It's even worth their time to recruit Texas because you said there's 37, was it top 200 kids? What was the distinction? 37 players in Texas with a 90 rating or better. 37 in Texas is only 12 in Ohio. So... We're asking Texas, will Texas come and recruit Ohio one day? Alabama doesn't really do I mean, it. Here's the difference, too, Doug, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but if there are 12 players in the state of Ohio that have 90 ratings or better, depending on needs for Ohio State in that class, it is safe to assume that Ohio State is prioritizing nine of them. Right. In Texas, if there are 37 players who meet that distinction – it's harder to lock down and recruit 37 people than it is to do 8 or 12. But and I agree with that. But to be fair, Texas sure as heck prioritized Jeffrey Okuda and Baron Browning. For sure. And but it didn't matter. They're not, Ohio State's not getting the, the 28th best kid out of Texas. They they're are, getting, though. They got I, like the. I mean, the Elijah Gardner was. Best. But he was a last. Yeah, yeah, guy. yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, you're correct. And I, and I think that the point of this entire podcast is to say is that that weakness was attacked when there was an opening. And I don't think that – I think we can all three agree that that – even if – but if they get Cook, victory. But Cook is Okuda. He's number one in the Cook state. Cook is Okuda, yeah. I'm just saying they're not going to get four of them. Right. Do you guys talk about the satellite camp when I was out? No. no. So this is being recorded on June 5th. It will post on June 7th. On June 8th, Ohio State is working a satellite camp at Texas Southern University in Houston. Along with Arizona? Mm-hmm. Just thought that would be interesting. To and where is Cook from? Houston. Is that a coincidence? Nothing's a coincidence. Hey, you know what I was thinking we could talk about for five minutes and the football people can turn off now if they want? Sure. Should we tell people it's, that's, it's the summer TV season now, right? Like the regular network shows are done with their runs. Mm-hmm. So it's like a good time to catch up on Netflix or like uh, binge watch some stuff. Yeah. That you're behind on. So, like, what do, what are our uh, summer TV watching recommendations? Ari has some very emotional thoughts about Master of None to share. I, I'm late on Master of None. I watched it this last few weeks, and I the finale I watched on Sunday night at 2.30 in the morning. So this is a comedy on Netflix. With Aziz Ansari. Really good show. It's funny and, like, dramatic, and I will say I'm a 20-year-old, 29-year-old man. I act like I'm 20. I'm 29 years old. And I was like borderline bawling in my apartment watching this show. It is hilarious and awesome at the same time. The soundtrack's fantastic, and it's certainly worth watching if you haven't watched it yet. So if people are trying to get a gauge on Ari Wasserman's life, what percent is this show showing what your personal There is one specific episode in Master of None where he um, is on a dating app, and they show him oh, on yeah. 15 dates all at once, where the, when the, the camera pans to him and he's saying something, and when it pans back to the other person, it's a different girl every time. And I thought that show was brilliant, and it was hard for me to watch. Yeah. I love that episode. It was really well done. I didn't understand any of it, because I'd never been a single man in my 20s. But 
It's cool, man. We got it. Enjoy You're cool. It. it wasn't me bragging. <laughs> <laughs> I have a girlfriend. No. Um, I've also had a... This is really... I don't want to do this. Never mind. Go ahead. What? <laughs> I was going to just insult something. More people. <laughs> wasn't going to insult anybody, but I'm 29. Um, I'm going on a Vegas trip with a few of my buddies here in the next few weeks. But it has occurred to me that I am the last one standing. I think, like all the other ones are settling down, ah, and okay. it's getting to the point now where I need to start taking like my marriage potential seriously and you're turning 30 this summer i'm turning right? 30 in a few months so to all the lady buckeye talk listeners out there um we could we do that could we run a version of the bachelor, bachelor through for buckeye talk <laughs> with the three women who probably listen to three idiots talk about pizza and football if there's a girl who's still listening to me babble then this is a good start so <laughs> um but i was thinking to myself like times are changing people and relationships are changing like i need to change up how i'm doing it and i think that aziz and sorry Dating app episode is what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why you were crying in your apartment. Yeah, and I, I believe in the presence of true love, and I think that true love is a rare thing in this world. And if I was ever in a situation where a girl made me feel the way that that girl made Aziz feel on that show, then I would be happy, and that's never happened to me before, so I don't know. And right, I'm gonna, I think we might be onto something here. And the soundtrack made me cry, too. Okay. I like the idea of Doug hosting a dating show where you are... <laughs> The one people are fighting over. Jeez. Um, that would get ratings, but I don't think Doug could stomach it. <laughs> what are you watching, Landis? Yeah, I'm not the best person to ask, because I have a really bad habit of like rewatching things I've already watched. So, like I've like seen every episode of The Office 500 times. Um, I am watching House of Cards at the moment. The fifth season just came out. And it's okay. That show's gone really off the rails. Um, <laughs> never mind, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. No political talk. Um... um it's interesting. If you can suspend disbelief in a major way, then you might enjoy it, but it's it's gotten a little out of hand. Um, I would suggest uh, streaming, if you have access to HBO Go, Silicon Valley. I think it's a really funny show that's currently on. I think it's in its fourth or fifth season, but you can go back and watch them all if you haven't seen any. If you haven't seen any, that's probably my favorite show going right now. Um, and I watch Game of Thrones a lot too, but that's not on yet. That's coming. That's this summer, though, right? July, yeah, July. I refuse to watch anything with dragons in it. <sighs> really? I don't like sci-fi. I don't like fire coming out of your breath. I don't. I like shows that are real life, and I don't know. People make fun of me because I don't like sci-fi. Um, <clears throat> but to be fair, you do like like weird mysteries of stuff that happens with like spaceships landing in the pyramids and stuff. You watch like because shows about that because. There is an element of unknown, and there is a feasible reality to it. If you go into a show... You don't know the dragons didn't exist. If you go into a show knowing it's complete fantasy and never happened, I have no interest in it. And the one thing I would be remiss if I didn't mention is the best show on television that Doug got me to watch two years ago. Oh. Fargo is the best show on television, in my opinion. And I'm not going to insult you if you disagree like I normally do. <laughs> but I think the writing, the cinematography, the drama, everything about that show is fantastic. I enjoy watching every – it's the highlight of my week. Highly recommend. And this is not – yeah, we're not giving you any secrets here. I think we fit in with a lot of the mainstream of uh, – I don't know if a lot of people watch Fargo. 
I mean, but it's critically acclaimed. Yeah, it is. So I, I always, uh, my, I give my highest recommendation to the Americans on FX. If you have not watched it, it's not like we're giving you Sundance film. It's, you know, it's excellent. Um, Carrie Russell's excellent. Matthew Reese is excellent. I think he's really, really good. Um, I think you'd really like it. It's really good. Russian spies, family drama in the eighties. I like shows set in the eighties because I'm a child of the eighties. Um, and. Uh, you guys are still watching Better Call Saul or no? You know, I watched the first season and I found the first season incredibly boring. I watched the first episode and stuff. And, um, but listen. Everybody's saying now it's like Breaking Bad. People are saying it's like, I'm a couple episodes behind, but people are like talking like it's as good as Breaking Bad. I had somebody tell me it was better. Yeah. Cause it makes me want to watch it, it again. The only thing that's stopping me from watching it right now is it's been two years, maybe two and a half years since I saw the first season and I don't really recall the intimate details of that season, and I don't know if I have the energy to rewatch the season that I didn't enjoy watching the first time again to get caught up. Yeah, you you get it. You'll be fine. I mean, some of the yeah, Odenkirk's so good. And then I want to give uh, my other one is uh, on Amazon Prime. Catastrophe is a is a raunchy comedy about uh, a British woman and an American man who have a one night stand and end up uh, having a relationship together. And they make a lot of. Uh, we always find this interesting. We were talking about this earlier, how people talk about a critically acclaimed show and the great writing and stuff, and then you watch it, and it is just the worst stuff that you wouldn't say to your best friend, the raunchiest stuff. And it's like, oh, the beautiful acting and, and precise. It's like it's just horrible sex jokes, and apparently that's what critics love, and so do I. So anyway, I would watch Catastrophe. Can I make a plug for a, It's not a series, but it's a movie, and it's a weird one. It's not like one... It's a Netflix movie that I think is actually, like, might even be a year or two old by now. It's called Don't Think Twice. It's a comedy. It's a little dark. Darker. It's about, like, a um, um, an improv troupe in New York, and one of them goes and gets selected for, like, their fictional version of Saturday Saturday Night Live, and, like, the fallout of all that, and, like, the jealousy that comes along with this tight group of friends who are all vying for this thing and one guy makes it. And the one guy who makes it is Keegan-Michael Key. Oh. Um, and Mike Birbiglia is a stand-up comic that I really like wrote and directed the movie and he's in it as well. Um, is there another thing of that coming out? Is there like a second movie or something? I'm not sure. I don't know. But I just saw an ad about that. Mike Birbiglia is a genius. Yeah. He wrote the movie. I don't know wrote, if you've watched his stand-up. He wrote the movie. It's really well done. He is so good. Really? He, not- he's not... He's got this nervousness, you know, like, you yeah. know, he talks. It's not like Louis C.K. where he gets up and he's, yeah. it's like a guy who, his shtick is like, I have no confidence and I'm a loser. But yeah. like the way he delivers his jokes, they're not punchlines, they're, it's timing and the way he delivers, it's, it's, if you haven't watched his stand-up, have you seen My Girlfriend's Boyfriend? Is mm-hmm. that the, yeah. that is one of the best stand-ups I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. He has two movies. One's called Sleepwalk With Me, and the other one is Don't Think Twice. <laughs> the Sleepwalk With Me movie is terrible. Yeah, you should yeah. check him out. He's, He's good. good. I'll say, I said this to Doug earlier. Like, I find Awkward funny, and if you think Awkward is funny, I think you'll like both of his movies. Nice. All right, so that was good. That was, that was uh, I think maybe uh, TV recommendations are better than when we yell at people about how to live their lives. Although yeah. Too. Although I also think people don't like being told what's good and what's not good. And they don't like being television and told how to uh, feel about the calves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's Buckeye Talk. Can I do it? Hey. Yeah. You want to try it? Uh, thanks for listening. For 
Bill Landis and Doug LaMaurice. I'm Ari Wasserman. That's another edition of Buckeye Talk. You can subscribe on iTunes. Catch us on Stitcher. And I can't remember the other ones. Sounds <laughs> SoundCloud yeah. and... And then you got to give our Twitter handles. Again. Our Twitter handles are at Ari Wasserman. You already know that one. At Bill Landis, 25, and at Doug LaMaurice. L-E-S-M-E-R-I-S-E-S. Thanks nice. for listening. No, no, no. Then you got to do the sign-off. We have an actual sign-off What's on this What's the sign-off again? I'm completely choking right now. That was Buckeye Talk. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>